Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Psychological Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Aaron. Fourth year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. DM Wen. Hi, DM. Hello. Third year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hey, Aaron. And second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. Hey, Aaron. Views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, on today's show, we're gonna talk about procrastination. This is something that we all know very intimately because we uh, students, residents, uh, you know, we, 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 we've dealt with this many, many times. Students actually uh, have a, the, the highest rate of, in the population, set upward 70, 80%, I think some of the, the stats are, but please, please correct me. But let me just kind of throw out a kind of a standard definition. It's a purposeful uh, or maybe perhaps impulsive delay of an intended course of action. You know, they do kind of, in the literature, you'll see that there's kind of like a intentional and unintentional kind of procrastination. Some people do it on purpose because they think that they do their best work if they wait right at the end. So I, I feel like the show might focus more on the unintentional part, like this is a problem. Who has some stats on this and who to further describe this phenomenon of procrastination that we all deal with? I can do a little bit of stats and yeah, you're right. Most people, especially, or most college students do. Uh, estimates in 2007 from the University of Calgary, they said about 80 to 95 percent of college students engage in procrastination, but only approximately 75 percent consider themselves as procrastinators, and about almost 50 percent of those do it consistently, and it becomes a problem. Now, another study in terms of what some of the consequences of doing this. Uh, 2015 meta-analysis, so it's a big study of analyzing previous studies. They, the findings were that procrastination was associated with lower grades uh, across 33 of those studies, including over 38,000 students. Uh, and of course, this is linked to higher levels of stress, depression, anxiety, fatigue. In one more study of Loyola University in 2018, they found that the two of the main reasons why people procrastinate are either one of two. One is the fear of failure, and the other one is the confusion about the first step of an assignment or having like a complex assignment that you don't understand, don't know how to start about. Yeah, in the literature, they do make a distinction between decisional and behavioral procrastination, like uh, decisional, like you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, and you're just kind of stuck, and behavioral, you do know exactly what to do, but for whatever reason, you're just not doing it. That's actually a really great point. I feel like I just learned something important, um, like the, the analysis paralysis part of it that you just mentioned, Edgar. I feel like a lot of my patients on the child and adolescent unit don't do the homework, and then when I ask them why, they said, oh, I didn't quite get this part, and so I didn't do it, and in my head, I'm I'm always like a little frustrated. Okay, just show me that there's some effort. It's it's not that hard. And now I see like, oh, that's a that's a real phenomenon. Yeah, I feel for me personally, it will be probably more of that analysis paralysis that sometimes kind of uh, stops me from going in or doing other projects and things like that. Just overthinking it too much and not taking the first step and engaging into it. So Edgar, when, uh, do you think it's like fear of failure that it's better to not start? 
than to risk failure that stops you from um, starting it? Let me see. I, I, I think there's some of that too, but maybe I have worked enough on that by being just aware of, of uh, what a failure feel, fear, uh, feels uh, and not versus before not even knowing, you know, that that was uh, unconsciously attributing to it. Like right now, actually, talking about procrastination, I've been putting aside that uh, to start doing some sort of exercising right now. So I actually forced myself, because we're going to talk about procrastination, it's like, hey, I'm not going to procrastinate today. I went for a run, and it was a failure. Why it was a failure? And it felt good, because I was looking to, I haven't run in a while. I just run on the street here. I was looking for a three miles. Uh, you know, under what, 30 minutes. And I made it to two miles and I just couldn't do it. So I decided to just walk. And before that, I would push myself and it's like, no, you know, you have to do it. You have to finish it three miles, don't stop. Even if you do it slower, things like that. And right now it's like, okay, as long as I get back before the recording, then I'll, you know, it's fine. And in this time, failure felt good. I think that's an important part of procrastination. I think that a lot of folks that procrastinate a lot, um, they project into the future and they foresee uh, like this is how it, it needs to be or it should be. And if you feel like you're going to struggle or it's not going to go quite the way you'd like it, there's hesitation, there's delay. Or, there, or there's like this attempt to kind of psych yourself up to do it because you've, you've kind of projected it into the future and you've created this task that it sometimes feels overwhelming. That's why I feel like students do this a lot. They kind of look at all the assignments they have and they kind of overwhelm themselves with all these assignments. And I got to do this, and I got to do this, and it needs to be this, and I have to get this great or that great. And they just feel overwhelmed and drained from doing that. I read that in a different way, but kind of the same thing that uh, that people will assign these tax, tasks to a future idea of themselves. And like, this isn't my problem now. It's future me's problem and and that's not related to me right now so i can give myself some space from that by procrastinating there were some characteristics that i read about um written by christian jarrett in bbc work life published in 2020 um about studies that showed people who are more likely to procrastinate scored higher in uh, criteria of psychological inflexibility, which uh, in their tests meant that these people are more likely to respond based off of their emotions rather than um, what their goals are. Um, so things that they might agree with are statements like, quote, I'm afraid of my feelings and quote, my painful experiences and memories make it difficult for me to live a life that I would value. And then another, um, another criteria that people who procrastinate met were scoring lower on committed action. And the definition of committed action in this study were uh, people who do per pursue uh, their goals um, through action and behavior. So, lower scores who tended to be more more likely to procrastinate would agree with statements such as quote if i feel distressed or discouraged i let my commitment slide i think there's a lot of truth to that i f i feel like um uh, you know i want to say that this is my belief i feel like uh, procrastination is um a very complex phenomenon and there are different expressions like you can get two people who are procrastinating and there's they, they look different because there's different reasons involved and the one that one the kind of one that you talked about tosha and touched on is that folks that are uh, to they're monitor highly monitoring their mood or their energy level and uh, they wait for the inspiration to do things 
own, own pretty much only like they, they have to get the inspiration first to do things and then that's how things get done and so that a lot of times that inspiration never comes and you're, you're too invested in monitor and being tied to your particular mood at the time yeah 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 um and, i mean sorry go ahead edgar edgar okay thanks uh one thing to add on that is like yeah you can feel good at the moment because you know kind of like giving away that stress to the future but then there's also, and this is, I think, what you mentioned, it's called, like, effective forecasting. Basically, like, you feel bad right now, but you cannot uh, elevate your mood focusing on the future, predicting that in the future you're going to do it, and you're going to get that motivation, and you're going to push yourself later, yeah. but not now, yeah. and you just forget about it right now, which feels better at the moment, but then, in reality, it just that you're kind of just setting aside the stress, and when you have... You know, if you have a deadline, things like that, the closer it gets, you might also get into that rush and, and more stress. I think one of the um, one of the things that kind of blew my mind when I was learning about behavioral activation was someone saying, uh, you know, m motivation or feeling feeling that um, you want to do something is irrespective of actually being able to accomplish that thing or doing that thing. And an example this therapist gave was when you brush your teeth twice a day, it's not because you feel like you want to brush your teeth. It's because you just do it. You guys heard that one? That totally makes sense. I haven't, but I feel like that. Just clarify what behavioral activation is really quickly. Oh, um, well, it's, it's, I don't know if I'm the best to explain it. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it's I, I about, hop in on that. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the behavioral therapist should explain it. <laughs> um, behavioral activation is the idea, and it, it's actually interesting. It's hard to track down a consistent definition for it, but it's the idea that um, by doing stuff, you get your brain kind of better at doing more stuff. And that like, particularly with depression, since it's sort of a disease that makes you not want to do stuff part of that is fighting it and it gives a little bit of credence to the fake it till you make it uh phrase yeah that if you um actions will lead to feeling differently and, and the therapist can be almost seen as like a coach at times which is why I, your therapist will say something like are you making sure you're doing exercise and going on walks and getting sunlight in so um i read this article written in the New York Times called Why You Procrastinate. It has nothing to do with self-control, written by Charlotte Lieberman in 2019. And I loved this article. I really recommend listeners to check this article out. I have so many patients that I see, you know, being a child and adolescent uh, psychiatry fellow who are really struggling in high school to, to get things done or middle school to get things done, really falling behind. Um, and one of the, one of the, um, things that I learned about in this article is uh, something I've never heard before, but makes total sense to me. And that's this doctor who studies motivational psychology at the University of Calgary uh, named Dr. Piers Steele describes procrastination as a form of self-harm. And this can become a cycle, this irrational cycle um, where you have, you struggle to to manage these negative feelings the, that come up when you think about having to do a task. Um, I thought that was a great way of thinking about procrastination um, and a new way of thinking about procrastination. So it's not about time management. It's about dealing with these feelings like anxiety, insecurity. You can't do it. 
resentment, frustration, boredom. Um, so many of my patients just describe feeling bored uh, and they don't want to do it. Yeah, and they don't, it's hard to tolerate that feeling at that moment because sitting down and doing some tasks will be just almost unbearably boring, right? Right, or frustration that, you know, this never goes well. I can try as hard as I want and I'm not going to get an A, so why should I try? <laughs> but I, I can I ask you, I'm not sure where the self-harm fits in because the things you're talking about, things like, you know, like you're avoiding some of these negative feelings, but where, where does the self-harm aspect come that in? That these feelings don't go away. They're just going to be compounded upon the longer you wait oh, okay. and put this, oh, okay. put so it's a poor self-care. Off. Yeah. 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 yeah self-harm, the, the self-harm thing sounds like such a creative spin that if we're going to include that in the definition of self-harm, then we have to include negative thoughts in the definition of self-harm. And we have to include dating the wrong people in the definition of self-harm. It, it seems like it would stretch self-harm to the point where it was meaningless. Yeah, that's a little bit. To me, that I just my first take, gut take, I, I kind of probably think like you, Alan, is that it's a little bit on the broad side. because This is how I look at it. I think procrastination is a little bit... Uh, it sound it feels a little bit like a delayed gratification thing. Like you're going to actually suffer in the short term in order for long-term gains. So you're not going to have wait, the most wait. exciting moment right now sitting down at some boring class or some boring task that you don't want to do, like cleaning the garage. I know I should do it, by the way, but you don't want to do it. And then, but the the benefit in the future is going to be, wow, I can just enjoy this clean garage. I know where everything is at, and that kind of thing. So that's why you kind of do it. So in in a sense, you're giving yourself more pain. And suffering by I don't know, is that wrong is that by wrong? what i think so by tolerating that feeling by learning to tolerate the feeling of boredom because this is what happens what i feel like a lot of students that do they have their phone right next to them or the, the people are struggling with um, procrastination they have the phone the computer they're bombarded by social media youtube is just one click away and then that see, when you break things down moments down to either i can sit down at a boring task or i can watch a kick-ass video or then obviously the video is going to win every single time Every single time, because it won't compete with the, you know, with the stimulation and the enjoyment and the the pleasure of watching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you have that awareness. It's like self-deception or almost self-sabotage to the point where you're aware of those consequences, or the that they're implying the level of taking action right now versus later. Uh, but maybe the consequences of instilling change and working, making habits. The effort that that takes is it's it's more than uh, than what it will do just to like you said play video games you know so it, I I don't yeah. know I feel like I, it goes into that line. I think that they have found something that they call procrastinary cognitions in their studies that you're not really just letting it go it's still in the back of your mind and. And you're going to have low self-esteem. You're going to have self-blame about this. You're going to have increased stress and anxiety um, if you don't go ahead and complete these tasks that you deem are go you're going to have to need to do it at some point. So I think that's where they're coming at that self-harm determination from. And that's actually one of the interventions for uh, procrastination that we'll get into it is the saliency of consequences uh, that you can bring these up to your mind. It does help with procrastination. And if you're just joining us, you're listening, to Let's, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR. And we're talking about procrastination. And now we're going to move into interventions of what you can do if you feel like you are a, a serial procrastinator and, and you, get feel, you feel really stuck and uh, you've tried various things. Well, we're, we're going to give you some practical strategies about how to get out of that. I, I Sorry, before we get there, there was something else that just I was thinking about as we were preparing for this episode. Um, 
I feel like procrastination, one of the sources of of procrastination is also just having a production-oriented culture. And we place moral value on being productive. And we're teaching kids, we're structuring them to be workers, productive workers. We're teaching them to be good at school and then later good at work and making deadlines. And that's not like human nature. Um, So maybe procrastination is our way of dealing with resentment towards this. That's a, that's like if it's, if it's more egocentric, if this cultural value is more egocentric to you, then it's easier to, to not procrastinate. But if it's more egodystonic, you're going to be more likely to procrastinate. Egocentric meaning you're sort of feeling okay about your feelings about it and egodystonic meaning there's conflict about your feelings about it. And that I want to bring that to, we can transition to the, the strategies, but I, I think Tosha's point kind of links in with you know, we're talking about industrialization. To me, your point also links in a little bit with Buddhism and Taoism, which I think are welcome here um, in the sense that this this whole thing is born from the idea of doing more, being more valuable. And we live in maybe one of the first times ever in which doing more is less stimulating than doing less. So I can watch YouTube or play a video game or watch TV and that's highly stimulating. Although we've talked about how that's not not actually a flow state, it's maybe much more stimulating than checking email or washing the dishes or something that in the past would have just been an activity that really gave behavioral activation. But now we have these electronic media that actually have more inertia to them and, and more stimulation than our productive activities. And yeah, I I think that's a very important point because I feel like I see a lot of patients um, who they come in, they're adults who they tell me, I think I have ADHD because I can't pay attention and I procrastinate. And I'm like, but then when we go through their history and they tell me, you know, what their everyday life is. And I just, we live in such an overstimulated world that they can't like, it's not a really a problem with concentration. They, they're doing these like, procrastination skills and not paying attention just because they are too overstimulated and they've lost learning how to focus. <laughs> and it's like the, everybody's asking for like, you know, a stimulant or like treatment to move, to help them focus. But it, I'm not, I, I don't, that's not the answer. And I start them on it. I'm like, okay, if you want to try a stimulant, I you can't. but then they find out it doesn't work and they get more anxious. They can't really like focus. And I'm like, it's cause you don't really have ADHD. You just need to like tone down, you know, turn off your phone. You need to, you know, turn off like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter while you're doing work and you need to make a timeline and organize yourself. And it's hard. It's hard for people to face that sometimes. So is that where a lot of procrastination comes from? Is that that actual work is just boring? Like actual real substantive work has just become boring in our society. I think so. And also like, yes, I I understand that, you know, with um, we realize that procrastination is disadvantaged, but maybe this is for me personally, I don't see it as like a self-flagellation thing or a self-harm behavior because 
I, there's also a certain sense of pride in it <laughs> for what I procrastinate. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like nowadays, uh, like is. I did this report last yeah. night. Oh, yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Bragging rights. Like, yeah. That's a good like, reframe, Dan. Exactly. <laughs> middle school and high school. Like I was just, my mom always said my, like I procrastinated a lot. Like I just waited until like my mom said my like motto in life was like, wait until I get to the edge of the water. Like I'm about to drown. Then I start like swimming frantically. <laughs> and like, that's how, that's how I live. But like, yeah, there is a certain sense of pride that, yeah, I can like push myself hard and like get through this at the last minute and it reaffirms itself. And then you keep doing it as a pattern. It's a part of your identity, really, that you can turn it on almost almost when you want to. That is so interesting, DM, because like the things that I've been reading, like this 2012 study that found um, that procrastinators tend to have high stress and low self-compassion. It sounds like you have the complete opposite of that. <laughs> that's and, and that's hey, that's mental health. Right. So may, that goes back to your point, Tosha. She said, OK, peace with it. Yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. That kind of makes you're a good example of uh, uh, intentional and unintentional. Like you, you're you're intentionally structure your day. I mean, think about it. You're extremely efficient, like yes, because you've yeah, packed right. in the work in a smaller package and a time time uh, a period. And that's actually an excellent transition to your. I I know that was one of your techniques. We we got to start talking about the techniques. And I I know okay. you had one that was. Um, along those lines, Aaron, about taking responsibility. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that I feel like um, I'll see if it works. It's, if, it, it's, if it's a certain type of procrastinator that feels constant regret over almost everything. Oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. It's not even that they enjoy things because they, should, they feel the whole time they're enjoying some YouTube video or video games or something, they're saying, oh, I should be working on something else. So one of the things you could, I, I would recommend for them is take complete 100% ownership of the things you do by just telling yourself that I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to uh, play video games. And if I decide to not do it, I won't do it. If I decide to keep doing it, I'm doing it. And that's why, how it's going to go. You, you want to let that absorb into your mind and learn how to always take ownership and, and choose every action that you take in the moment. I think that would decrease those procrastinatory cognitions that Dr. Soroy was talking about. Yeah, because this is what happens. If that is not you, if you, you will start feeling uncomfortable. If, if, if you really are not the kind of person that likes to play video games all day and that's it and just flunk out of school, that will absolutely start feeling uncomfortable to you. And you will, you will decide, just willingly you will decide, I am not doing this. I am going to work and I'm going to read something. I'm curious about to like in terms of your clients, Aaron. How many people, when you tell that, like actually come in terms of that and are able to do and enjoy things and set aside, like, hey, I'm not going to work on this right now. I'm going to enjoy my time and then I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's are they going to procrastinate on the procrastination interventions? It happens all the time, Edgar. Um, but yeah, that that's the other kind of complimentary part of it is to willingly take breaks. And to and have actual structured time to enjoy things, but also take breaks. Is this the other thing? People procrastinate and they use their procrastination as a break. And then, okay, what happens? Your your life is still kind of out of control. You're just kind of doing things willy-nilly. And when you're in the mood and when the inspiration grabs you and everything, but you're not really making any real progress toward uh, you know managing things a little better, managing your energy better. Yeah, that's interesting. So self-compassion was something I found that sounds like that as a treatment. And the studies on self-compassion found that, you know, it lowers psychological distress, boosts motivation, 
enhances feelings of self-worth and positive emotions. I'm going to piggyback on that with an unlikely source of valuing positive emotion, at least per my preconceived notions, which is the Navy SEALs. Not not a group that I think of as, you know, constantly uh, writing cute post-its to themselves. Um, and, and so this drew my attention. So the Navy SEALs, a group that I haven't heard a lot of um, sort of their dabbles into psychology, certainly, they came up with something that I stumbled upon that was helpful to me and also to the students I tutored for the board exam, for the medical board exams, but also is used to reduce their um, attrition rate from the, the Navy SEAL BUDS course or their, their kind of intro boot camp. Um, and it was developed by a guy named Stephen Drum, who is now, I think, kind of known for this thing. And they got him together. He was a, a high-ranking Navy SEAL himself. And then they got him together with a psychologist and also a Navy chaplain. And they said, you guys need to figure out how we're going to create mental toughness in the Navy SEALs. And I think these, these um, concepts really apply to procrastination. So there's four. The first one is along the lines of what Tosha said. So positive self-talk. They, and they talk about how we're always talking to ourselves. So it's about taking control of what we're saying and making sure that the self-talk is actually positive. And then arousal control, which they talk a lot about breathing, but it's basically if the task you're procrastinating on every time you start is so disturbing that you have to escape immediately and Google what's on the news or check on your uh, Farmville or <laughs> whatever, um, then it's gonna be hard to stay with it. So controlling the arousal of the t that the, t the the stressful task brings you, um, then mental rehearsal. So let's say you just got sidetracked and you're trying to get back to the thing that you're procrastinating on, actually sitting there for a moment and saying, okay, I'm gonna do this. This is how long I'm gonna do it for. This is what it's gonna feel like to do great at it. This is how long it's gonna take me to build momentum. And I'm gonna be patient with that process. Um, so that's the mental rehearsal and then goal setting. And that includes both micro and macro goal setting. So. One of the things that I did with my um, board exam 2Ts when I was tutoring was it's not just about the goal in three months of what score you want to get. It's the goal today of, you know, how many in the, in the case of medical boards, how many questions are you going to how many practice questions are you going to get done or or the goal even this hour. And that extra little effort, although it's it takes time to set little micro goals, as they call them, is is really, really helpful. Um, and it gives some direction and it also allows you to create to call back our last our one of our last episodes. It allows you to create flow because you have a, 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 a proximal objective that you're working towards. Go ahead, Tosha. Sorry, I just want to slip in a couple more things. Um, what I do with my teenagers, I will reframe, reframe the task. Instead of, I need to complete my homework, I have them think about what the deeper meaning is to that task. So I need to complete my homework so that I can um, uh, learn the materials that I can use for the rest of my life or you know whatever the deeper meaning is. There's actually a, a worksheet online that I'll send them called the Procrastination Purge Worksheet for listeners. Um, I also read that acceptance and commitment therapy is something that has been shown in studies to be even more effective than cognitive behavioral therapy um, in getting long-term results. And I don't know if Alan or Aaron want to talk about ACT versus CBT. 
it it brings about it harkens back to what you said earlier and i think an important thing to continue harkening back on both in this and the last episode of kind of that eastern buddhist and taoist perspective being important here act is is similar very very uh, sorry acceptance and commitment therapy is very similar to cognitive behavioral therapy but there's a focus on instead of correcting wrong thoughts and making them right thoughts there's a focus on your thoughts are just your thoughts they're not right they're not wrong just observe them I want to quickly, I know we're at the end here, I want to quickly put in a shout out to paradoxical interventions. So paradoxical interventions have been shown to work with people who can't sleep, basically advising, I'm simplifying it, try not to sleep. And then that works to overcome insomnia. Well, when they told, paradoxical interventions work for procrastination. Actually, tell people, limit the amount of time you're purposefully going to only do a little bit and, and stop and they prevent yourself from doing it very long. That helps. Now, when they've, they've actually compared paradoxical interventions with, a, uh, with paradoxical interventions plus a laundry list of time management things, both were effective. But now the, 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 the time management, decision-making, some of the things you were saying, Alan, goal setting, that was more effective long-term. So as the, the, the months went on, the years went on, that uh, along with uh, taking small steps. Basically, it's like taking small steps. It's like you have this thought and idea that you want to do something. Instead of immediately jumping into the future and thinking about all the misery and pain that's going to cause and all the boredom, you immediately do a small step and then purposely stop and purposefully stop. That's the kind of habit you want to get into to break the habit of procrastination. And that's going to do it for this edition of Let's Get Psyched. Today, we discussed procrastination and different kinds of strategies to manage it. Thank you to our co-hosts, Drs. Tosh Toshi Yamaguchi, DM Nguyen, uh, Edgar Ortega, and Alan Atkins. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr.gmail.com. You can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. If you like tonight's show, please follow us and post a review. This episode was recorded remotely in our homes. Our producer is Elliot Fong. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. <music>